the um, slide's going to go up. That's going to uh, follow us through. Um, that's my little daughter, who's now nine. Yikes. And uh, we're talking about giving up the formula tonight, and uh, I'm not quite sure where this is going to go. So if it doesn't make sense, you're never meant to apologize when you preach, but I'm going to do it. Sorry if it makes no sense tonight. I hope there's something here. If you took a moment to think about your own prayer life, what would you surmise? What, if you had to defend it before uh, God when you see him at the pearly gates, what would you say about your prayer life? How would you talk about it to somebody else who says, oh, you're a Christian. Uh, what do you have to do while you pray? Well, what, how do you pray? Tell me about how, how you pray. What would you say in response to that? Right. I don't know about you, um, My prayer life is exceptionally insane. It is phenomenal. It is the best prayer life I've ever witnessed. Said no Christian ever. Yeah, my prayer life often kind of sucks. I had an image this evening as we were in prayer before, and I'm going to share it now, which was, um, you know those curves which are geometric progression? They, uh, they, they get higher and higher. They... Uh, essentially, it's the growth curve where you're like, oh, wow, isn't that fantastic? You know, there's an inverse of that, which is like the decline curve, where things decline from a really high point and come down towards the bottom. Now, you never quite hit the bottom line. You never quite bottom out, but essentially, the line carries on getting incrementally closer to zero, but it will never get to zero. And that image, as we reflected on it just before the service, was very much like many of our prayer lives. We bottom out. Sometimes I'm praying with my kids before bed, and with my youngest, Paul Graham, I pray the Lord's Prayer, and we do it by rote. I just go through it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Oh, is it thy? Is it holy? I don't know which one I do. Um, I'm so confused. I go to an Anglican church. It's definitely hallowed, right? Uh, did you know that uh, there's two versions in the Scriptures? Who said the proper one? earlier. You knew the proper Lord's Prayer. Anybody come up with a proper Lord's Prayer? Anybody? Yeah, somebody's going to own it. Well, the problem is Matthew has one version in chapter 5. It's part of the stream of consciousness called the Sermon on the Mount. And then Luke has got a different version in Luke 11, where Jesus is asked, teach us how to pray. So even when it comes to praying this prayer at nighttime with my four-year-old, I'm not quite sure which one to go with. So I just make it up, plod along. I include the little bit at the end, which only the King James includes. And some of you would have said this. It ain't in the NIV or the extra special version, believe me. ESV, sorry. Um, which is this. For thine is the, the, and the, and ever. And how many evers? Just forever and ever. Let's keep, keep working this thing out. I don't even know. This was added in. It wasn't in the earliest manuscript. It appeared in the Tyndale back in 1561 or so, and somehow it got into, guess what? The 1662. It's a proper feature now, isn't it? The Book of Common Prayer includes those lines. But if you open up your ESV or your NIV, it ain't there in either the Matthew or the Luke version. Isn't that interesting? So I find issues even when I pray with my kids, and, and I'm praying with them, and it feels sometimes so flat. I love Jesus. I've seen this wonder-working power in my life. I've seen answers to prayer in front of my eyes. I've prayed for people for healing, and I've seen the miraculous right in front of me. Undeniable. 
I've seen people and they've told me the testimony of their healings and, and God's deliverances. I had a friend of mine called John. We went to Moreland's Bible College together. And he was much older than me. He had been a professional overseas. He'd come back. God changed his life, turned him on a new direction. And he was from Barnstable. Every, time, every weekend, he went home to Barnstable to see his family. And then he'd come back Monday to Friday at Moreland's. Anyway, he, he, he said to me one Thursday afternoon, he said, Andy, it's, um, I don't think I'm going to be able to come back next term because I've already got a degree, and so I'm running out of cash, and I don't have the fees to pay. I haven't got the, the money to pay the fees. And they're astronomical at Moreland's, aren't they? They really are. So, uh, no, they're not. They're cheap as chips. Come along. Sign up now. Anyway, he said, I, I, I'm just not going to be able to come back. He had a whole team of people praying for him back home. Anyway, on the Friday morning, get up, and he's uh, packing his bags, and he's going to leave after lunch. We go to a lecture, and... Uh, we just popped by after the lectures. I'm going to say goodbye to him. And he goes past his kind of pigeonhole, looks in there. There's an envelope. Opens up the envelope. He says, Andy, you never guess what. This is incredible. Like, my shortfall was 940 quid. And I just haven't got that money. And there's a check in, my, in here from somebody who, who doesn't really know me, never supported me before, and it just says... Um, just been thinking and praying about you. You've been on my heart. Hope this thousand pounds will help out. I'm coming back next term. Gets in the car, drives back to Barnstable. Two weeks later, penalty notice, 60 quid. <laughs> A361, yeah, it got him. 60 quid, fine. God accounted, perhaps, for the speeding fine. <laughs> Unbelievable. But so many times, I, I, I see those moments, and we have those intimate moments with the Lord Jesus and the experience of God's power through his Holy Spirit. And other times, I'm trying to communicate God's wonder-working power with my kids, and I've got nothing, and it feels flat, and it's got going nowhere. I'm thinking, if you're going to replicate my prayers, it's going to be awful. Don't follow me when I pray. If you want to zoom in on a mealtime, that's where you really see my family at prayer. Our Father, thank you for the food. Amen. Whoa, 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 slow down. It is not about getting to your food quicker. That is not the point of prayer, to get through it so you can do the next thing in the service or in your meal. Amen? A few people convinced by that. So, we've, so we, Tarbina, amen, we're into the food. Sometimes we get lovely prayers, but they're few and far between. And sometimes I think, what's the point of praying at mealtimes when our prayers are so sucky? They're rubbish as a family. And my prayers aren't much better. What are we doing? My prayer life is brilliant, said no Christian ever. Just to confirm that I'm not saying tonight that my prayer life is wonderful. Believe me, there are some great moments. Well, prayer is one of those things. We pick some things up from what we see around us. And there's amazing things that happen in prayer. Can I just borrow you, Rob, for a moment? When you see people praying for people up the front and you think, that's the pattern for prayer that I've got. And I grew up and I went to, and it's difficult right now to talk about this because of some of the things that have gone on, but a lot of my theology around prayer came from places like HTB and Soul Survivor. And I remember learning to pray like this. Dear Lord, just... Uh, and I didn't start with, dear Lord, that was it. Here's the game changer. And Lord, we just thank you for Rob. We thank you for his lovely beard. We love you. Thank you for how it's growing out nicely right now. We pray more, Lord. We pray more. More. 
And I, immediately there, I've said a few things. Forgive me for the slight mocking way. I want to tease this out. First thing is this, prayer, a conversation. So some of you, when you think of prayer, you think, conceive of it as like a conversation. And that's what HCB and other places gave me, Holy Trinity Brompton, for those wondering, and Lord. I didn't start with dear Lord. I didn't start with Father God in heaven. I started with and Lord. And he's in the prayer position. Uh, which is, is appreciated. He knew how to do this because he's learned it from somewhere as well. Now, I've left a solid two-inch gap between my hand and his, and you might think that's deriving from safeguarding. It's not because that is absolutely legit. Put your hand on their head, whatever, um, uh, appropriately. Sorry, if somebody's got spiky hair, don't do that. Uh, it messes them up. But if you just lay a hand on the shoulder, that can be totally appropriate like this to pray. And we're believing that somehow God is going to be, uh, the Holy Spirit is imparted and, and that there's a blessing and things like that and you're with them. Why on earth do we leave the two-inch gap? Anybody know? Nor did I until I found this out. I was reading John Wimber, uh, prayer, Power Evangelism and Prayer Evangelism and things like that. And John Wimber tells a story about in California. Now, California, kind of sweaty, pretty hot. And you can imagine lots of people in a prayer meeting laying on on hands. People start to sway, sway. People start to sway after they've been there 15, 20 minutes. And in the vineyard movement, people pray for a very long time until the Lord does something. And you pray with your eyes open in case God does something. And eventually, the person falls over. Only where, you, we had, where were the people ready to catch? Come on. We know this stuff. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate that. The, the two-inch gap appeared because John Wimber realized that people were passing out not because they were slain in the spirit, because they were overheating. I'm not even joking. And somehow it seeped into our practice as well, that when we pray for somebody, that this two-inch gap that we produce, where's that come from? We've picked it up. What else do we pick up without even realizing? Ask yourself this. Who do you pray to the most? Keep a score chart. Start writing down. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Go. Pray next time. Think about who you pray to. Who here is a, a Father God prayer? Anybody? Got a solid number of Father Godders. Uh, and that's just solid. It's stable. Why do we pray to God the Father? Because he loves us. Because he draws us into his presence. Who here prays to Jesus? You notice that you pray to Jesus a lot. Jesus this, Jesus that. Yeah, okay, a number of people. Anybody pray to the Holy Spirit? You're aware that you, okay, a smattering, a smattering of Holy Spirit prayers. I asked this to Moreland's college students just recently, and several of them said we don't pray to the Holy Spirit at all, ever. It's really helpful to realize who you're praying to and why you're praying to them. Because each, each person of the, the, the Trinity has got personality and something that they bring that's unique and so we can pray to Jesus and we can thank him for, for dying for us and, and holding our sin on the cross. We can pray to the Spirit and ask him to move in the situations that we find ourselves in. And it's hilarious. When, it's not hilarious. Uh, okay. Well, listen, sometimes when I'm tutoring a student and we pray together, I might pick them up on their theology, which is kind of awkward, right? I, I'm not that kind of guy normally, but I was praying with somebody a, a while back, and they said, oh, dear Jesus, thank you that I'm your child. And I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Why is that important? It's really important. You are Father God's child. You're a child of the living God, and that's a wonderful place to be, but you are, guess what? Well, you're related to Jesus if you're a Christian. He's your older brother. 
He's the one who goes before. He's the one who intercedes for you. He's the one who speaks to the Father in your defense. He's the one who spoke and things came into being. So who do you pray to? And how does that play out? Prayer, in my, set, uh, my experience, has often been quite formulaic. And if this, this first slide comes up, the second slide, sorry. These are, are some that you often see, don't you, just there uh, with my little dinosaur that I'm feeding just there with his formula. These are classic formulas. Anybody know what TSP stands for? Anybody do kids' work? Kids' ministry? Thank you, sorry, please. Anybody like all three, correct? You get three points for that, by the way. Three individual points. Anybody come close? Two, one point. Thank you, sorry, please. It's not a bad uh, place to start. We say thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. We say sorry. We've, we ask forgiveness. And then we ask. It's a formula. Great one with kids. What about Acts? Anybody come across Acts before? Come on. Adoration. Confession. Thanksgiving. And that's why we don't do it with children, because that's a very long word with lots of syllables. Um, adoration, we start again in that place of we fall down, we lay our crowns. Confession, Lord, we have nothing, you've got everything, you do how you want to do. We, uh, hold on a minute, confession, yes. Confession of our sins, sorry. <laughs> Lord, we are ruined without you. We need you. Thanksgiving giving him thanks and then uh, for his forgiveness in particular. And then finally, supplication. Supplication meaning requests, asking God for stuff. And James is really useful here. He says, you don't uh, get because you don't ask. When you ask, you don't get because you ask with wrong motives that you might spend what you get on your own pleasure. He's not saying God doesn't want to give. In fact, God is a generous giver, and we find that out shortly. Anybody come across Pray. Nice. So, pause. Anybody really good at pausing in prayer? Uh, Jesus calls himself, interestingly, great point, Jesus calls himself the wonderful father in Isaiah. He, he, interesting, I'll, just, I'll, I'll chat to you afterwards. Jesus does say, oh, it does say in Isaiah, it says, wonderful father, prince of peace. So, so there is something of the father heart that is seen in Jesus. And obviously, the three are also one. So, uh, but it's helpful just to point that out, that there are attributes that are brought to us. So thank you for that. We'll chat later. So uh, absolutely, pause, stop, put everything else to one side. Many of us, we live in a complicated world, and I think you said it at the very start, that, that many other things press in, and it's quite hard to pause. It's very hard not to think about lots of other things when we pray. So pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. Now that's Pete Gregg, if you've read Pete Gregg's work, uh, How to Pray. Pete didn't come up with PRAY as an acronym. He actually took an older one and changed the R. Pause, repent, ask, yield. And he switched out repent for rejoice. 
Now his focus there is rejoice that your sins are forgiven. I get that point, but there's a really interesting shift just there. If you read Daniel 9, which do it in your spare time, it's a long chapter. Daniel spends the first few verses just in sackcloth and fasting and ashes on his head and says, we have sinned. We have done what is against your ways. You are righteous. We rebelled against you. Skip forward 12 verses of the same kind of substance. And he says this, We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. What a great prayer to pray. He would struggle with switching out repent because a great need of ours is to realize just how great God is and just how small we are. So we come across to the Lord's Prayer. If you just bring up the third slide, please. And it's found, as I said, in, in two passages of Scripture. And it says in, in Matthew 6, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then the King James adds the final peace. Luke 11 is very different though because Luke 11 is in the context of being asked how do we pray and then Jesus gives them this, 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 this formula if you like. But I want to suggest that it's more than just a formula. I believe that it's actually a framework for us, something that we can take and we can hear and understand. And he says this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. That's it. That's all Luke does. So if you forgot, deliver us from evil, and you said that was the Lord's Prayer, you get points according to Luke. Isn't that good news? There's a formula here. And I think as we start to break this down, we see that the, the, the opening three ideas, our Father in heaven, holy is your name, hallowed be your name, holy set apart is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. There's something going on here which is entirely focused on who God is, not on who we are. The start of the Lord's Prayer drives us into who God is. It's not about our needs. The rest of it, it's going to be about our needs. But the start, the starting place of prayer is to recognize who God is and why that matters for us. And as I prepared for tonight, one of the ideas that came to me a number of times was that prayer creates capacity for God to move. Prayer, as we start to worship God in prayer, as we start to give him thanks and praise, it creates elbow room in our lives for him. It increases expectation. As we start to praise the Lord Jesus, as we start to recognize the Father above all, as we start to understand how the Holy Spirit works, and it drives us to say, Lord, you are wonderful. You are incredible. There's no one like you in heaven or on earth. The highest heavens cannot contain you. Earth cannot contain you. The Israelites, they set apart this place called the temple for where you could dwell, and yet, heck, Lord, you can't dwell in a little temple like that. You're incredible. As we start to well up in terms of praise and adoration at the start of prayer, it increases our expectation. 
And maybe as I started to tell some of those stories of God's power and deliverance at the start, and if I invited people up right now to give testimony to what God has done in their lives, what we would find is an increased expectation that God moves today, and that God desires to move today, and that God wants to answer prayer, that God isn't playing games with us, that God doesn't play cat and mouse, and as we run over here to find God's answer, he suddenly slips around the corner leaving us frustrated that God somehow doesn't answer our prayers. He may answer other people's prayers, but not ours. I remember working with a young person, 13 years old, and his brother, kid brother, had been miraculously saved at childbirth. He was essentially, uh, should have died in, in, in very much, uh, but was through a lot of prayer of a lot of people, was sustained. And I remember working with this 13-year-old. We're sitting around a fire just staring in. And he said, that's just amazing. But, but God doesn't do that with me. I'm not that kind of Christian. I'm not that good enough to be that. And here's the wonderful thing. And I don't know if it was up on the quote just there. The wonderful thing about prayer, and this was the Max Licardo quote. Prayer is us pushing into God and God responding. It's a, it's, it's a dialogue. It's not a one-way street. But here's the wonderful thing. It doesn't depend on us. We pray. God responds. And I love this when you get to Ephesians 3. And it says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Here's where the King James does get it right. I just dissed it earlier and said it's bits that aren't in the Bible in there. The King James gets this right because it recognizes in the Greek, in Ephesians 3, there's something called a double compound. And it says this, so I'm going to use it in the Greek, it will not, sorry, I'll use it in the King James. If you've got an NIV or an ESV, it won't say this. It says, now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine. Doesn't that sound amazing? The difference, not just immeasurably more. Oh, God can do immeasurably more, no. Exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine. Double compound, right there. The significance is this. I've got a crazy hyperactive imagination. Anybody else? You can imagine a lot in prayer. You can pray for a lot. God says, bring it. God says, bring it. I can handle that. In fact, I can exceed your expectations. I may not answer the way you want me to answer, but I will do things that you could not even imagine. There's a beautiful moment in Isaiah 64. It says, oh, that you'd rend the heavens and come down and cause fire to set a blaze. And it says, for when you did awesome things that we did not expect. Isn't that incredible? When you did awesome things that we did not expect. And later on, renew these things in our day. There are some wonderful themes in the Old Testament that speak into this. Moments when Jehoshaphat is confronted by a vast army and he says this, he says, Lord, these people are coming against us. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Expectation that God can do the impossible. That when we bring our limitedness and we start to throw ourselves into prayer, when we start to recognize his greatness as a framework to, to start with adoration and praise and thanksgiving, as we start to lift up the name of the Lord, we create capacity for him to move. Scripture becomes a prayer book for us. Psalms, they give voice to our struggles. And some of the Psalms are pretty bleak. Some of the Psalms are really difficult. Psalm 88, it ends with the line, darkness is my only friend. You may have been there. You may have been at the bottom of that mathematical equation curve. Darkness is my only friend. There's nothing good in Psalm 88. 
Psalm 22, Jesus quotes it on the cross. It starts like this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you, uh, why are you so far from my words of groaning? But any Jew listening on to Jesus as he's praying, saying that out loud will start to recite Psalm 22, which goes on to praise the Lord. We start with our position, Lord, I've got nothing. I'm such a wreck. Oh, eyes on you, eyes on you, eyes on you. Remind myself of who you are. How do I do that best? Turn to Scripture. Understand what you're like. And so we start to see that there's a prayer journey that each one of us is on. We ain't got it sorted. We're not going to say that our prayer life is absolutely brilliant. But we're going to start to make sense of it, and we're going to push into God. Jesus, the God-man, whole nights in prayer, whole nights in prayer. The one who surely didn't have to pray that much, spent hours pushing into the Father. What was he praying? What did Jesus pray? What do you pray? It's really hard when you've preached a number of times in lots of different places whether you've said something before. So if you've heard this bit before, just say, ah, sorry, Andy, know that already. Do you know how many times the Bible talks about help, God's help in prayer? In the the Old Testament, there's 40 instances in prayer where, where God's people say, Lord, help us. In the New Testament, zero. Zero. You get into the, the, the letters, you get into the great prayers in Ephesians and Philippians, and there's not one use of the word help. Why? Because there's a shift. As we start to push into God, as we start to focus on who God is and what he has done for us, we start to realize what God has done for us. And then it starts to change our lives. Lord, would you move through me in power? Lord, would you move in this situation? That becomes our prayer. Thank you that you have won this battle for us. Thank you that there's the Holy Spirit at work within us. That Christ wants to live through us. But the Lord's Prayer doesn't stop at just adoration and thanksgiving and lifting up the name of God. It moves on. And it it shifts tone from the concern with who God is to what he can do in and through our lives. And the rest of the the Lord's Prayer is simply that. Lord, would you meet these needs? Would you come in power? Would you move as you want to move? Would you provide in the way that you want to provide? Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you enable me by being forgiven to forgive others. He encourages us to make the big ask. This is Luke's version, and it continues. Then Jesus says to them, this is directly after the Lord's prayer. He hasn't said, for thine is the kingdom. He's moved on. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey, and he's come to me, and I've got no food to offer. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's locked. My kids are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything, I tell you. Even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give good gifts? No, it doesn't say that. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Why the Holy Spirit? Why not good gifts? The Holy Spirit is a good gift, believe. Why the Holy Spirit? Because he is the active agent, he is the one who brings things into life. He is the one who moves in power, who can transform situations. He is the one that Jesus said, listen, I've got to go. Like, I'm on a clock right now. I've got to go back to the Father, but I'm going to send you another. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. Another is going to come to you. I'm going to come to you. The Holy Spirit is going to come to you. He's going to teach you everything that I've been teaching you. He's going to lead you into all righteousness. He is going to move the way that I move. And here's the wonderful thing. While Jesus was on earth, he was in one fixed place at one single time. The Holy Spirit everywhere. That's beyond my, I can't even understand that. My daughter asks me to explain that. I've got two theology degrees. I can't answer that question, how the Holy Spirit is everywhere. But he is. And God, through Jesus, promises us the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. You know, the history books are silent about revivals that didn't start with prayer. Prayer and what we've just seen here today is a launch pad. Gives you a framework to push into the things of God and to explore things that, that are far more than just a simple math, maths formula. It was never intended to be said by rote. It really wasn't. It was intended to be explored and to be pushed into, to explore the heart of the Father, the work of the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit amongst us. So I'm going to do something interesting just as we end. And uh, you may remember during lockdown when we had prayer times and things. And you may remember me and my daughter got up here. It was recorded and things. And she was gamboling around over there. And I was stressed out, as a, a dad would normally be. And God challenged me on that. The Father loves play. The Father loves play. And the Holy Spirit has got all the toys. He wants you to play. But I'm going to take us back to that, and it's the, the final slide. We're just going to say the one line by one line, and after we say the one line together, I'm just going to pray, and maybe if the, the band wants to come up as well, if Mark and Co. want to come up and Rob. But um, we're just going to work one line with the underlying bit. I'm going to just pray off the back of that and get, move through the prayer. This was never meant to be a literary masterpiece to be framed and admired, but something to be lived out. So let's pray together, all together. Our Father in heaven. Let's just say that one more time. Our Father in heaven. Lord, it is audacious to think that we can even speak your name. We recognize you as our true Father. Thank you for your presence amongst us by the power of your Spirit. 
Thank you that Father is the Christian name for God. Thank you that we have access to you. That because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we can walk right into the presence of God. That our sins don't get in the way. That you welcome us. That we're lifted up as a child onto the Father's knee. And thank you that you're more than just Father. You're Abba Father. There's a closeness, there's a nearness that you desire for each one of us. We thank you that we can say, Our Father. Let's all say together the second line. Hallowed be thy name. Your. Let's say that one more time. Just think those words. Hallowed be your name. In plain language, Lord, let your name be honored in our midst. You are our maker. By your breath, the cosmos came into existence. We thank you that even as the James Webb telescope brings back images, confusing some of those who have got particular thoughts about how things came to existence, thank you, Lord, that these things reveal your splendor. They reveal your majesty. We thank you for how great you are. More personally, we thank you that you are our rescuer and redeemer. Thank you that you paid the price for our liberty. We hold you in high regard. Just as the king was coronated recently, and all the pomp and ceremony, Lord, how much greater should be yours. Be honored, Lord, we pray, in our nation. Be honored in our broken world. Be honored in our education system. Be honored in our politics. Lord, be honored in our clubs, our societies, in our homes. Be honored in our church where disagreements seem to threaten uh, the, the common unity in the spirit. And let's pray together the next line. Your kingdom come. And again, a second time. Your kingdom come. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We welcome you, King of kings and Lord of lords. We ask that you would build your kingdom here in the lives of men and women, young and old. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's say that together. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, this is huge. We thank you that heaven is marked by shalom peace, something that we just do not experience that much on earth. Thank you, Lord, that heaven is marked by healing, by wholeness, no pain, no fear, no hate. And we thank you that we can pray this prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a prayer to pray and together, give us today our daily bread. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for the treasure in jars of clay that show that this is about you, not about us. Thank you that you meet us at our point of need. For each person here, you meet us where we feel weakest. You meet us where we are at our limit. And thank you that you bring all resources to us. And we pray together, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And we thank you that though we deserve judgment, we are by nature objects of wrath, but God in your rich mercy made us alive in Christ. And we can receive your mercy. And those who may not know you tonight can receive mercy, can receive forgiveness just by confessing to you and welcoming you. And the last line, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, we recognize that uh, there are many potholes in front of us, Lord. Thank you that you can fill those and help us run free. 
Thank you that our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Thank you that that's your domain, not ours. And we pray that you would bring the victory that you've already won, Lord, into reality around us. Remind us, Lord, that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And we say, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.